like ultimately you have to interact and connect with that person and, and normally within a few minutes of doing that and you saying hey we're, we're really trying to do this album where we're, you know we've got 10 days left to raise 80 percent of it how, how do you feel about buying an album once you made that connection very few people will say no to you but you do have to cut you you know it's, it's tough because you you don't want to feel like you're you're begging but at the same time you know without people supporting you can't do it so it's a, it's a, an interesting one you're listening to music growth talks the podcast for musicpreneurs with andrew apanov hey there andrew apanov here you're listening to music growth talks a podcast designed to build improve grow your music career this is episode number 154 if you want to look up the show notes at dotedmusic.com if you're new to the show consider going to musicgrowthtalks.com for the subscription links uh, it is a good idea to subscribe via email as well and uh, on this very episode we've got the Portnoy brothers uh, Israel and Mandy both are on the show uh, the the band this duo is also known as Portnoy and uh, at the time of the recording in uh, January this year I believe they were just referring to the Sams as uh, Portnoy but yeah the Portnoy brothers is the official um, name from what I can tell and uh, they're amazing and the kind of stuff they do is really inspiring it's an indie act uh, with uh, a modest online following if you're just looking into their social media profiles uh, they successfully completed a crowdfunding campaign on indiegogo at the end of uh, last year to uh, support records of their new album called no complaints they raised uh, over thirty thousand dollars and uh, uh, successfully recorded the album in nashville uh, it's it's a great story. It's a bunch of um, useful insights on running crowdfunding campaign on content strategy on defining success. We talk about a number of interesting things. So hope that you find it interesting. Once again, it was recorded in January. No COVID talk here. Uh, and if you have any questions, any feedback, please consider going to the Portnoy Brothers uh, Instagram profile. Just look them up on social media or find the links in uh, the show notes as usual. And yeah, feel free to let me know via email or on social media as well. Uh, here we go. My conversation with the Portnoy Brothers, Israel and Mandy. Really appreciate you uh, being on on the show. And uh, what are you up to these days? What's where in the promotional cycle of the album you are at, and uh, what you've been up to creatively at the beginning of the year? All right. Well, um, there's there's two of us here, so we're gonna have to kind of play Russian roulette in terms of who's who's gonna be answering. But I guess uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll kind of switch it off. So. Because we're not in the same room, that is. Well, basically, we actually released the album a few months ago. It's called No Complaints. And we recorded it in Nashville. And we just very recently began talks with a UK distributor. And we are just finalizing a distribution deal with them, which is actually going to involve a re-release uh, of the album in March. Um, so that's that's quite exciting. Um, 
And, you know, with that in mind, for at least the first half of this year, we're still going to be very much focused on no complaints. Uh, so the re-release, what, what's the uh, purpose of the, re- what's the, the key advantage? Will there be physical distribution as well in the UK? Yeah, yeah, going to be doing physical and digital distribution in the UK and around the world. Um, essentially, we kind of, I guess, you know, we released it as well as we could as two indie artists who, in classic fashion, um, used all the money that we raised in the crowdfunding campaign to actually create the to create the content, and then kind of were like, oh well, now we actually have to get it out to the world, and we could really do it three times as much as what we started with. So you know we 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 did we did the best job we could, but then we kind of realized that well I mean at, at this point we were going to just kind of settle with you know okay well we put it out and it is what it is and then this uh, distributor got in touch with us and we figured well you know if we have a chance of actually releasing this a bit more properly then why not cool that's interesting so of a thirty grand you ra- raised at Indiegogo I'm linking to it in the show notes really cool I have questions to you about that one. But so yeah, all of it went into 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 the production, you say, right? I would I would say it was the production of the album, and also we spent some of that also on the um, on some video. We did like a, a music video, and also uh, while we were in Nashville, we basically had someone film a lot of the recording sessions and and interviews and stuff like that, which we kind of created small behind the scenes uh, kind of bits of content. So I would say that like. That money was, for the most part, spent on you know the recording, production of the album, as well as some video content, and a PR company as well. There was a nice chunk that we, uh, a PR company in uh, in New York, also right. did some work. For us. Yeah, that stuff does cost money. So that 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 perfectly makes sense. Really cool. And uh, how, how much time did you spend in the US? Because for the most part, you are in Israel right now, from what I understand. So how how much time did you have to be in, in in Nashville just for the recording or you you were doing something like any any live performances by the way while there we didn't we have didn't, time yeah <laughs> yeah exactly sorry go on sorry no no that's exactly what I was gonna say that's it yeah. I mean we, we were, we were in, there for two days we were in the US for about three weeks we'd been flown in actually to play a couple of private events and as well as that, we also we were we flew to Texas to play at a church for for New Year's Eve, which was a cool experience as two Jewish boys. And when we were actually in Nashville, we we kind of went there with a pretty pretty specific mission, which was to go and just get this thing recorded. Our first album, which we did a bunch of years ago, just it dragged on to the point where, like, from when we started crowdfunding until we released it there's probably over three years and we decided that we were gonna try and do try and be a bit the other extreme with this so we went in and, and in two days pretty much recorded the the meat and potatoes of the album you know with the rhythm section and vocals and whatnot yeah that's that's really cool neat and uh going back to the crowdfunding i'm yeah i guess i i just i just will ask you to to comment on on that one and how it came to be i think it's a, it's a great success did you have uh, yeah. much of an experience in advance uh, i mean i have i have way too many questions about crowdfunding yeah. campaign so we should focus on maybe just highlighting the things that you think contributed to the success of that campaign the most you have 420 bakers 
it's really it's 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 really amazing but yeah if if you can okay. um can can and and did you expect it to be that kind of success in the first place i mean we we had to expect it to be because it was one of these you know it was an all or nothing kind of uh, kind of campaign so if it wasn't going to be that successful then we would have it was either fail or succeed having said that there is definitely a part of you that thinks you know what if what if this doesn't work i think first and foremost you know luck is 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 obviously like a massive massive factor there's lot there's lots of people who who try it and and don't necessarily succeed and um if there was if there's there's so many different things i guess we could comment on but the one thing for me which stood out at the end of it as being the the the, the biggest defining factor over the success of it it would actually be the personal connection between you and the backer in other words you know you can you can pay a pr company and you can do sponsored ads and you can do whatever you, and you can make clever videos and you can do posts and and drive people crazy on social media but just picking up the phone or sending someone an, a personalized email i actually myself i had this thing that that i said to my brother before we started and i said you know mandy when the one thing i i don't want to do is send a copy pasted message every message i send out it's going to be personal because at the end of the day they're paying money and it's the hard earned money and they're paying for art and the same way you know we want to have some kind of level of you know of integrity you really you you want it to be you really want it to be both ways so that was it really we just we asked we we asked people who we knew were followers of our music and we said you know would you be interested in getting involved and when you ask someone personally and, and it's actually a com- it's not just like hi will you do me a favor but it's it's you're actually you care about them and that's how you have a personal relationship to begin with and you just kind of start off a conversation and you mentioned that this is this is what you're doing most of them you know will buy an album even if they don't necessarily even have a cd player at home just because you know they want to support what you do and uh, i think that's it i think that would be the defining uh, factor for me i feel like it's also about we got to a point i think we, we ran the whole thing for a month and i think at two weeks in we were sure we were going to completely like we'd messed it up because we were we'd hardly raised anything and I think that's where we we kind of realized that you have to you have to actively request for the money as opposed to saying well I'll put something up on social media and and someone will see it and respond you know there's almost like different levels of of I'm not sure what the word is but you know you start at the beginning and you'll write like a a great post on Facebook which you're sure people will respond to and then they don't and then you say well well we'll email everyone our, on our email list surely they'll respond to that and then it's like well, what if we do this? What if we do that? And then the the thing that actually started seeing results was when we were, you know, it would be like, hey, you know, whoever you are, and actually start a personal conversation. Like there's there's no there's no shortcuts. If you send a copy and pasted message, it's not about like like ultimately you have to interact and connect with that person. And, and normally within a few minutes of doing that, and you saying, hey, we're really you know pushing to try and do this album. Where where you know we've got ten days left to raise. 80% of it. How, how do you feel about buying an album? Once you've made that connection, very few people will say no to you, but you do have to, you you know, it's, it's tough because you, you don't want to feel like you're, you're begging, but at the same time, you know, without people supporting you, you can't do it. So it's a, it's a, an interesting one. Yeah. 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 Great insight. And uh, I, I fully agree. This is how it uh, has to be done. It's unscalable. It's difficult. And uh, it's, it's confusing because you are, proactively asking for money and uh, it kind of helps that it's two of you and it's not a solo act but uh, still it's lots of work i i guess it's a 
an important thing to keep in mind yeah. to anyone who uh, is yet to start their first crowdfunding campaign. But still, what kind of uh, audi- initial audience uh, we are talking about? Because you are not reaching out personally to complete strangers, but people who um, maybe opted in to receive newsletters from you, someone following you on social media. Roughly, yeah. what kind, what, what's, what's the size of your audience at the time you started the campaign? I mean, um, I, I would, yeah, I don't know. I would say 50-50 maybe, like in terms of the people who we kind of like knew, have known personally, you know, and then the other 50% of people who just we didn't know and, and just, you know, followed our music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, the, um, the, the I think in a way, uh, and I guess I kind of look at Facebook as the, as the cause of this, but you know, ultimately, be, when when if we were just to post something online organically and not put any money into it, um, you don't really see much of a response. You know, and we have I think eight and a half thousand followers or something, and I guess it kind of leads you to believe that no one sees or responds or is following you. Or you know, if if you purely based your engagement or following on that, you would actually think that hardly anyone you know knows who you are or likes your music or cares about you. Um, but you realize that actually it's, that's a bit misleading because there are a lot of people out there who, you know, whether they listen to our first album or, you know, or some of the covers we've done since then, suddenly people, you know, people who, there, there are a lot of names on there that we didn't recognize, but clearly they are people who who know who we are and, you know, f- feel, I guess, well, they like us or like our music enough that they were prepared to part with 10 or 20 or 50 50 bucks for this new album to happen yeah yeah and this is really cool and uh it's uh all the shows uh that uh you are doing something uh good in an authentic way uh the the way you talk to uh your listeners your fans and the kind of content you share it all uh plays a very important um role in it also this is really cool and very well deserved so yeah congrats on uh the success of uh, that campaign did you, uh, speaking of content, uh, one more tactical question. Did you have, a t- did, did you still find yourself needing to create a lot of behind the scenes uh, reporting footage, uh, updates kind of thing to keep your takers informed about the recording process, for example? We did. Yeah, do, we, um... we did our best on the stories. You yeah. know, we did a lot of stories and, and we did a couple of uh, behind the scenes videos that we, we released afterwards as well. You know, I think part of what part of what's today's music industry really is is it's people want to just be there um, whenever they want. They just want to be able to just jump into your story and see what's going on in the studio or what's going on at the gig or whatnot. So, I mean, to that respect, we kind of were doing that anyway. But yeah, we definitely made some extra content that we could put out to promote the album in terms of behind the scenes stuff. I do think, though, actually, what what's really just said is is kind of the key, which is that you know by putting stuff on our you know Instagram stories or or Instagram TV or, or Facebook and stuff like that, and letting people jump in, you know, as he said, when they want to. I think that's that's the key. You know, when I think there's something about email where because that's directly going to somebody as opposed to saying, look, it's here if you want it, come and get it. I know I'm like that. that. There are things that, you know, of uh, websites who have really provided me with great value, whatever it is, in the past. But it gets to a point where it's like, okay, you're emailing me every day, every second, every third day. It kind of creates that spammy feel in a way. So we were quite careful to obviously keep people updated also via the email, but to be 
quite specific about when we did it to not, you know, at the end of the day, people, they, they want to know what's going on. They want to, they do want that information and they, you know, when they want to see even more, they can come online. But, you know, it, it, for us that month, all, all we cared about, all we did was this album for we everyone else. Didn't that, sleep. Right, right. But, but for did. everyone else, they spent one moment in that day buying the album and then carried on with their life. And then when the album was to come out, great, we'll listen to it. But, you know, it's no one wants to hear about it nonstop all day because it gets annoying. Yeah, it makes sense. And at the same time, being on different channels uh, is good because uh, if uh, even if you're reaching the same person, most probably they will not read every single email uh, from you. They will see one Instagram post, uh, one story on Facebook and one email. So they may only be getting a fraction of uh, all uh, your messages. Though. So from your perspective, you may feel like you're spamming everyone with uh, with messages, but in practice, uh, very few diehard fans will actually see every single piece of uh, announcement. Right, so true. it's it's, uh, but it does help to be on various platforms to yeah to it's it's just the different quality of content as well. Really cool. So yeah, this is also a very good insight for anyone looking into crowdfunding because uh, a successful campaign requires quite a bit of uh, content uh, still throughout uh, the, the the process to. Um, to deliver to those who already paid pledged and uh, to convert new pledges, essentially. So you've got uh, a catchy little tune called uh, Spotify. I <laughs> wanted to ask you about what's what's the line in the in the song about about us being Spotify. Remind me. So how do we get how do we get radio airplay and and then like the response is you know well as if we haven't all been Spotified. You know, just it's basically a little, a little, you know, nod to the idea that our generation have completely, you know, transformed to using Spotify as the, you know, ourselves included to the way we consume music, and therefore radio isn't really the benchmark anymore the way it used to be, and 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 you know, selling loads of physical records isn't necessarily the the goal the way it used to be. So it was just a little bit of a, uh, you know, it was kind of like a sarcastic, light-hearted uh, song, I think- which kind of tells a story of you know young musicians in uh in, in in 2020 i think on i think on a bigger level it's also kind of i mean obviously we in this particular case you know mentioned spotify or created a word spotified but really it's just i guess we're looking at the fact that like we live in a time where as musicians you know today it's spotify tomorrow it's something else but the rules are changing every day there's a new app there's a new something and it's almost like you know, at one point it was all about getting on the radio. Well, now it's not that. Now it's Spotify streams. But you know that could change again soon. And it's almost like ultimately we want to create our art, create music, play music. Yeah, and at, at times I guess it can be quite frustrating trying to. You know, someone was telling me the other day about TikTok, which I'd never heard about before. And I was like, really? There's there's another one. Like we haven't we haven't got to Snapchat yet. You know, so it's kind of kind of a nod to that. And yeah, every independent musician is going through that. Um, and it can be confusing with uh, many apps popping up where you are supposed to be active, where you you may not have uh, the energy or even the understanding how to use that. So in that case, my right. recommendation is to uh, to double down on the platforms you enjoy using if you really get how Instagram works and what kind of stuff people respond to so just stick into what platform as long as it's uh, not dying out 
But anyway, this is this is cool. I think it could work really well on radio, actually. I'm not sure if you tried pitching it to any radio stations. Did you get any support from Spotify with that song? No, we don't, we actually uh-huh. got nothing from them. That's so um, bad. Really. Yeah, um, and and we did, and ironically, we didn't get any radio play either. But to be honest, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, we didn't have any, uh, we didn't have any big, uh, any big pitch radio pluggers up our sleeves. Uh, so, yeah, that's yeah. uh, yeah, we're we're not we're not giving up on it, especially with this re-release with the distribution company. I, I think twenty twenty might see some uh, some good things for the album. Yeah, 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 that totally makes sense. Any insights from this campaign overall on uh, merchandise and with an act of uh, your scale? And uh, I, I mean it in a very positive way, but this is uh, th- like talking to you is exciting to me because you may not have hundreds and thousands of fans, but you have uh, a solid engaged audience and this is something mm-hmm. uh, uh inspiring to other musicians who are not there yet because it feels a lot more achievable than becoming an a-list superstar so this is the you're you're a great re- representative of the of of the type of musician or an artist or bands that can free even the music industry yeah so my uh, just another sort of technical question was about merchandise i was curious how You've been approaching it with crowdfunding, but just overall, if you uh, if it's a big part of uh, your if it's a it's a, if if it's a proper monetization channel for you. So, well, I will say this: that when we did this last campaign, we swore to each other that we will never, ever, ever, ever do it again, simply because <laughs> no matter how you look at it, and obviously now we can look back to a few months later and say, you know, it, thank God it worked, and we we worked really hard at it and whatever, but there's a part of it that is really, really tough, you know, because there's always those people out there that will turn around and say, well, you know, the, the, the go and get a proper job people are the people who are like, well, you don't have to record music, don't, you know. You know, I have people re- like replying to me like, well, what do you need $30,000 for? And then I'm like, okay, well, I guess I have to sit here and kind of explain to him how the music industry works a bit and how actually that's a tiny bit of money relative to what, you know, you can potentially do. and. And I, I guess it's the, is the fact that, you know, for a month straight, we were, you know, you have to ask, you have to ask people to, um, and again, there are different the different perspectives on this. And, you know, a lot, someone was talking to to me while we were doing it and basically saying, like, at the end of the day, it's, it's art, like any art. And essentially, all you're really doing is asking people to, by buying it in advance, you're there enabling you to create it. At the same time, it just, that should make it easier, but it doesn't necessarily. So... I don't know. I don't know if we would use it as like an ongoing thing. I, I also happen to think that crowdfunding as a concept in general for musicians, I feel like it was really strong and really popular a couple of years ago. And I could be wrong, but I feel like it's dying down a bit and almost like the general attitude towards it now when you pop, when, you know, if one pops up on your newsfeed, is just like, oh, not another one. But I don't know. Surely would we ever use it again? Well, we've we've done two. It was our second crowdfunding campaign, and um, yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said that the more of them you do, the less the less leeway you have to be able to do another one. But I think the focus just has to be that you're not asking people for for free money. You're making a pre-sale campaign for an album or for whatever art that you're trying to sell. And that really has to be that, you know, no, essentially nobody's doing you a favor. That's really important to focus on as a musician because otherwise you kind of feel 
a little bit you know desperate and you kind of start to lose faith in the heart all you're doing is giving people the opportunity to buy something in advance and yeah you know we could argue that some of the things that people will be buying like a, a, a cd if they're not someone who even has a cd player might be you know it might be a waste of, of time and so, so maybe uh, you know they might feel that they're giving but essentially you know if you're selling a piece of art then you're offering an exchange of services you know goods for money and that's like any business so i think really that that needs to be the focus whether we would do it again or we wouldn't do it again is i guess is is, is a different um you know a different kettle of fish which we're definitely not thinking about right now i mean honestly it's it's interesting because I just remembered as we as you were talking about it that uh, Pledge Music. Um, I know I don't, I'm sure you've caught up on the whole drama that happened over there. But yeah. for months before we went live with our campaign, we were all ready to to launch on Pledge Music. We were it was everything was ready. It was all and we loved the idea of Pledge Music, particularly because they offered this great way of being able to uh, sync up with um, SoundScan and and so you could actually get charting success through it. So that was the, the main pull for us, and also. It was the it was the least you know charity looking like platform, and it was the most musician oriented sort of you know platform for for this kind of thing. And they actually sent us an email just before we were going to go live, saying we can't discuss the details right now, but there's lots going on here basically, and you need to find somewhere else to do it. And at the time, we were distraught. We were like, oh my god, we've waited for months. They pushed it off for months. Pledge Music were like, you know, for a few months they were saying we need more time, we need more time, we need more time. And eventually said, actually, we can't do it at all. So we were really, really destroyed about it. And then um, obviously we, we ended up doing it with a different platform. But obviously then we saw the news that happened with Pledge Music and we were like, you know, well, that was the most incredible stroke of luck we'd ever had because if we had done it with Pledge Music, we wouldn't have ended up seeing our money because they they had lots of money problems and they couldn't physically pay out the musicians. And in the end, we ended up, Using and this is just a good tip in general is that you don't need pledge music to be able to get chart success through a crowdsourcing campaign. We peaked at number six on the Billboard Heat Seekers charts just by using you know SoundScan and registering all the um, the 500 physicals that we sold on the first week of the release. You can just register those with SoundScan, and um, as a result, we ended up getting our first uh, chart success um, with Billboard. So. That was really, really encouraging for us. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's crazy that you're almost involved in, in that. I mean, the timing it was great that it's it's really good that you didn't end up launching on, on Pledge Music. But yeah, that's a crazy story. Really cool hack on registering the uh, sales for the charts. I know, uh, yeah, the, I, I know quite a few artists uh, doing that who have been using a third party platforms but if you can do it directly in yourself this is really cool and um yeah so I, i'm really glad that you commented on that because my original poorly formulated question was about merchandise but uh, the, what you just commented on uh is a lot more valuable as a, on a maybe more of a general note before we wrap it up and uh once again i'm linking to everything we've been talking about in the show notes to anyone listening to us and uh, uh no complaints for, uh, of course like on the spotify and other places it's all linked to in there but before anyone listening to us can go there and check out uh, your stuff what do you have any other advice other than what you have already mentioned to an aspiring musician and band out there that you can share from the 
point of your career where you are at right now? Sure. I mean, we've probably both got little uh, little tips. Mine is, from my personal experience, is that for a long time, I had this very childlike dream that that for me, success meant, you know, I needed millions of fans and, and, and millions of people to buy albums and come to concerts. And the, the most freeing feeling was when I eventually came to the realization that to be able to to make a living of music, you actually don't need millions of fans at all. Um, you need a much, much smaller, more realistic, more reachable, committed uh, group of fans, uh, you know, who will buy your album, who will support what you do, who will come to your shows, who will share your music. And that is way, way, way more valuable than the numbers game, you know, then, okay, so some post, you know, some post might have hundreds of thousands of of likes on it, but how many of those people are actually supporting that artist whose post they're liking? How many of those people are actually paying money to that artist to be able to support him making a living? Very often, I think the numbers are, are, are actually, you know, staggeringly surprising in that actually not as many as you would think. So less focus on how much likes and how many, how many, you know, how much love, how many likes you're getting and more focus on building a really solid, genuine, like genuine personal human relationships with people who, you know, who are being open to your music and, and your music is moving them and slowly but surely building that family as people who are supporting what you do, which is your art in this case, you know, music. Yeah, that's a brilliant piece of advice. So. Israel, Mandy, thank you so much for the insights. It's uh, it's been uh, incredible pleasure and honor to speak to you. Uh, I'll keep an eye on on the developments and uh, on your creative work this year. And uh, yeah, uh, once again, thank you a lot for being on Music Rock Talks. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Thanks to the guys once again. Thank you all for listening to us. I hope that you found it interesting. And if you have any feedback, uh, thoughts, go to the Fortnite Brothers social media profiles like Instagram and leave a comment there. Uh, let them know that you uh, listen to these episodes of uh, Music Growth Talks and I will appreciate that. And of course, you can also uh, get back to me via email or social media as well with any kind of feedback too. From my experience, it's uh, something that quite a few of you do when I interview other bands or musicians, uh, specifically going online on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and checking out these social media accounts of these acts and I encourage that it's really good to get some perspective uh, insights and I definitely encourage you following uh, my guests on social media as well um, yeah if you have uh, any uh, overall feedback on the podcast uh, do let me know as well uh, quite a few people reached out to me after the previous uh, episodes went out with some uh, constructive feedback and uh, overall thoughts I really really appreciate that so don't hesitate to email me anytime even if I don't reply you immediately I eventually will and I really really value um, the feedback you uh, guys can provide me with. So yeah, thank you. And uh, one last uh, note, if uh, you are considering to support this show directly, go to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Andrew Apanov. I probably should be pitching it more aggressively after this um, 
episodes with Portnoy, but anyway, I'll I'll work on that. But yeah, you always have the opportunity to support uh, what I do and to support Music Growth Talks, so go check it out when you get a chance. Thank you, and till next week. You've been listening to Music Growth Talks with Andrew Apanov. Find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowthtalks.com.